0: Welcome to another episode of Season 3 of the Panjway Podcast. As usual, you can find our episodes on YouTube, Facebook, and your favorite podcast platform, whether that's Spotify or Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio. You pick it, we're there. If you want to support the
1: podcast financially, we've set up a few ways for you to do so this season. You can become a patron by hopping over to patreon.com slash Podcast and sign up for a small monthly donation. If you want to make a one-time donation, you can find us on Venmo. At the Panjoy Podcast. And last but not least, we've got a small selection of merchandise in our store. So if you head over to thepanjoypodcast.com and click on the store tab, you'll see stickers and other merchandise, and who knows what might come down the pipeline. All that I can hope is you take me with you when you go. I guess I should have known can leave with you when you go. Now cow wind is awfully quiet with your screen door staying
2: closed. And if I or or you know years before i left if one of my lads had come up to me and said like you know things are a bit weird or you know just feeling a bit funny and i'd have probably just really di- i'd have just dismissed it you know yeah i would have just right. said like get home go go home for the weekend you know sort the missus out <laughs> have a few beers yeah. <laughs> you know and uh, mm-hmm. we'll see you see you on monday and that, that that's the end of it you know um. Yeah, but then when it happens to you, it's a bit like, "Shit, this is like this is actually a thing," you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I feel like
1: the culture. Whenever I joined the military, was like it was very much still a military at war. You know, like they were still yeah. in the midst of GWAT, and yeah. you know, my my drill sergeants and my my NCOs and stuff. When I first joined, it was very much like staying focused on the mission, pushing through, mm-hmm. driving through the next thing. And, you know, the that conversation about PTS or PTSD or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Yeah. Like it was it was just starting to to work its way into the fabric of like I said, the larger culture, but especially the military culture. Um and unfortunately for us, at least on the American side, the larger culture took it and ran with it and turned it to a bastardized Hollywood version that sells bad TV. Uh, yeah, so that was like a weird spin that we had to recover from for a few years. Uh but it's well, it's well also a lot of out. people
0: took it and took advantage of it. Yeah. So, you know, we, we added this little bit of leeway. We're like, okay, well if you're crazy, then we're gonna give you some time to figure it out. Be like, Oh my god, I'm so crazy and like, okay, well now you're taking advantage of the system. There was never yeah. there's well, there was never much of like a gray area where it was working the way it was supposed to completely. Uh but I know, I know it was weird on our deployment to have like combat stress come to our base. Like that was, I don't, I couldn't, couldn't have imagined something like that would be a thing. But yes.
2: it was. They're trying at least. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're doing good things now. And, um, you speak to the lads that are still in and, you know, they're putting, there's more um, checks and balances basically for, you know, looking at what blokes have done before, what tours they've been on. If the mm-hmm. big inc- big incidents that they've been involved in they start maybe raising flags, really that um, you know some guys on their you know fifth tour or whatever, and they've and they've been it's been yeah. you know they've had all action tours from from the get go, then it might be an idea to like, someone have a chat with. Them.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, we
1: definitely uh, we we me and Curtis were kind of on the receiving end of the the consequences of that uh, to a degree with a couple of our leadership, you know, like guys that were on their fifth tour. And, yeah. you know, it, it's like this perfect cocktail of PTSD and TBI where yeah. between the two of them, you just got a recipe for, for someone who can't get their shit together or can't keep their, you know, can't keep it together. And yeah. uh, so, it you know, it's, it's good that it's being addressed, especially in the military, because... Um, I don't know. I, I think on the back end of that, you're going to have stronger
2: leaders, stronger soldiers, especially. Yeah, exactly. You need to, and, and you know, it's, it's the same as, you know, a physic, you wouldn't send someone out if they were broken physically, you know? So that's the kind right. of way I see it. It's like, yeah, but um, yeah, and yeah, just things have changed and, you know, how things are. Yeah, just dealt with, and yeah, I think it's I think it's, it's it's all going in the right direction. But yeah, I was still kind of in the era of you know the big kind of alcohol culture and things like that, and in the military, and you know a lot of heavy drinking and stuff, which isn't that sure, yeah was was kind of the way that we dealt with things, you know. Yeah, um, we're same yeah, as you guys. Same. If you come back and it, you just have a massive blowout on the on the booze, <laughs> you know. And that was like yeah. your kind of decompression, you know. That was like, oh, that 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 will that will sort out, you know. When actually, well, I've always not. I've
1: always said that I uh, I definitely learned to drink in the army. Like, you know, yeah, I, I drank before I went to the army, but the army is when I learned to drink. Uh, yeah. you know, as yeah. as a as a means by which to achieve something. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so on that note, though, we're we're sitting here with. Kieran Rafferty, uh, <laughs> from across the pond, as you've probably discerned by his accent. Uh, Kieran was a Royal Marine commando. commando. Yeah. So, uh, Kieran, you know, thanks for hopping on here with this man. And and the way we usually kick these things off is we give people kind of the, the short and dirty version of why you joined the military and kind of how you ended up uh, choosing the route that you chose and how you ended up in Panjway. So give us the spiel, man. Cheers,
2: Luke. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Um, yeah, so kind of strange, strange way of ended, uh, ended up in Panjwai, Um Probably one of the only uh, handful of Brits that actually served out there uh, during the time. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll go on to that. But yeah, basically, so my kind of military history um, didn't come from a, a military family. Um, No one really in, apart from, you know, grandparents that were in the Second World War and things, um, was kind of average at school, kind of must try harder type, could do better student, um, didn't really interest me a great deal. Um, I was more interested in kind of the the sporting aspect of, of education. So playing, playing for the, the, you know, the, the teams and stuff and, uh, playing sports at the weekend playing the rugby and that and, um, and um, when, when I could I, I basically just said "Right, I'm going to I'm going to try and join up um, I don't I'm not really sure why I picked the picking the Marines um, over anything else I mean They've got it, it, the, the kind of reputation goes goes before them um, as being kind of, um, you know, probably one of the the, the toughest um, kind of units within the British forces um, to, to to get into and to pass pass um, the training. Um, and I think that's I just was in the mindset of then, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm gonna I'm gonna do join the best, you know, see how sure. I got, get on and. Uh, yeah, so it's the commando training's. Um, it's about seven months long, um, give or take, um, and it's all done down in the in the south coast, um, the south coast of uh, of Britain. And uh, yeah, it turned up day one, rabbit in the headlights, like a a boy just stepping into. a... <laughs> yeah, I was because I kind of got like a a pretty normal background, you know. I wouldn't say um relatively privileged in that um you know brought up in a really nice place always went to good schools um you know had i mean not you know not overly wealthy or anything but was comfortable you know we always well we didn't really want for anything me and me and my my siblings didn't really want for anything so i turned up at, at, at the training establishment in limston and uh I was just in a room with like men, you know, like, mm. and I was just looking across at some of the guys and they're from sort of tougher backgrounds than me, much tougher backgrounds than me and, you know, older than me. And I just thought, I am, I am, I've signed up for something here. <laughs> I'm, not <sure> <laughs> I'm, in the, I'm not sure whether I'm in the right place here. Um, but yeah, did all right. Got through, got through training. Um, same as pretty much. You know, all military training is hard, is it? And, you know, it's supposed to be... You're supposed to be tired. and wet. so how, old, uh, wet. Uh, yeah. so how was, old were you when you joined? Yes, yeah, so I joined at... Just joined at um, 18. Yeah. Okay. So, you so, can go in so you pre... Should. You can go in before that over here. Um, but, I, yeah, I just joined after my... Um, I was nearly 19, actually. Probably 18 and a half, I think. Um, okay. Yeah, so... Um, and that was it really, um, completed the training, um, the commando training and, uh, headed off to, um, one of the units, which I, i spent a lot of my time at four five commando, which is based up in Scotland, um, which is a great unit. I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, did, yeah. did the majority of my career there.
1: So uh one of the things that kind of sets you apart from uh, you know a significant portion of our our uh interviewees is that you you've got multiple combat deployments and you know and you you got to go to both uh Iraq and Afghanistan so kind of run us through like your deployment history you know wh- where would you go what would you
2: do to to what degree that you can tell us <laughs> like you said it was mostly Afghanistan mm-hmm. uh and Iraq um, went to first tour in Afghanistan was post nine 11. So, um, unit got stood up after, after the events and, uh, we pushed out to, um, Bagram, uh, initially, and then, uh, moved down sort of the kind of God kind of coast area. Um, and, uh, mm. spent a fair bit of time up in the mountains there and, and just kind of b- bouncing in back and forth from background which is uh, you know it was a really good experience um to be honest it was kind of what the, the expeditionary element of it the kind of mountainous um and expeditionary element of the of the tour was was you know right up our street basically as 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 our unit as four five commando um mm. yeah so it was good real eye opener um just didn't really know what to expect and you know, we were really, you know, knee deep snow, high altitude, um, having to deal with different issues, um aside from the you know, the the kind of enemy threat, the kind of altitude sickness, stuff like that. And yeah, it was good. Yeah. Good tour though. So what was uh
1: did you guys see any combat at that tour or was it pretty quiet by the time you it guys was, got
2: there? Yeah, it was pretty quiet to be honest, because it's just after Anaconda. Um Yeah had happened. So we literally um were going out there kind of if I remember correctly, it's to like relief in place for um other units and we we hooked up with um other um just Australian SF units and uh we're basically just carrying on the clear the, the the clear up through the valleys basically sure um and over the ranges yeah. but um Yeah mesh after Anaconda the, the
1: Al-Qaeda and, and Taliban, I mean, they all got, well, the Al-Qaeda, especially they got monkey stomped as much as we did on that. So like they, their, their fighting spirit was probably done and it was the winter, you know, fighting yeah. season was
2: done for the mountains. Yeah. And we, yeah, you, exactly. We're coming into the, the kind of, well the passes that start to close off with the snow and everything. Um, yeah. so as that, we kind of headed into the, um, into more into the kind of low ground then and, uh, the, we did a lot of stuff around around the uh that south southeastern kind of area but it was good you know nice. um completely different though completely different yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah right like i mean there was obviously like like pretty much zero ied threat um mm-hmm. i mean there's obviously the mine issue um and the legacy the kind of legacy minefields from from the soviet times and things like that and Mm-hmm. Ones that have been repurposed and stuff like that, but you know we we're just rolling around soft skin vehicles again. Um, yeah, and, and not not in any way that that um we would be now. You know, when later deployments. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so yeah. what
1: was the the next one was back to Afghanistan, or did you was that your Northern <laughs>
2: Ireland? Uh, no, so then it was um, so that's two thousand. So yeah, two thousand and. Um, three yeah, went to Iraq for the, was involved okay. in the, uh, the 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 invasion in in uh, 2003. So I was operating up in the Western Desert. Um, okay, with uh, UKSF and yeah, interesting time. Yeah, yeah, cool. it was um a lot, a lot busier than the 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 Afghan deployment, but yeah, it was good. <laughs> um, and that was kind of a bit of a whirlwind. A whirlwind trip, really, Um, very much sort of in, kind of pre, pre the uh, invasion, and then pretty quickly out um, once once what had been needed to be done was done, you know. So, um, this is gonna
1: be off the record, but were you like fucking up like Iranian or Syrian shit out there? Was it just kind of like Iraqi army?
2: Um, it was it was pretty yeah yeah pretty much Iraqi. Iraqi Army, yeah. um, Republican Guard. Yeah, so that was kind of... Um, nice. Yeah. Good, good interesting. times. Yeah, good times. Good, no, yeah, good can, times good time for us. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. so much for them. But, um, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah and then, and then came, came, came back from that and um, much as like the strangest contrast, then bounced off into an island, Northern Ireland tour. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is so weird. Yeah. It's like, um, we're going to
0: come back from Afghanistan and deploy you to Canada. <laughs> <Why>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was,
2: um, you know, obviously like there's a, there's a deep, deep history there. Um, mm-hmm. and right. we were post the ceasefire in 96. So essentially yeah. what you, what they would sort of class as a peacetime tour. Um, although you're still going, you know, out with a, you know, you know you're still all armed and everything like that and you know you're still um conducting the, the same kind of drills on the ground that you would that we would you know we we kind of um it's just your posture was just slightly different so for example you you know you wouldn't be patrolling in in um helmets you'd be patrolling in berries and things like that um mm-hmm. but yeah so and that was that was that was interesting like i've never been to Ireland before obviously um you know, know know all about the, the, you know, the troubles that, and having spoken to the people that, the instructors that kind of took me through training, uh, most of their experience was from Northern Ireland and the Falklands. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, and that you hear about the the, the, the back in the, in the, in the day when Ireland was really, really kicking off, you know, yeah, it was really tasty, but. um yeah. So it did that. Um, so it came off that, that. It was one of the last, probably one of the last, I mean, um, island tours that that there would have been, because I, I think I think not long after that, they started really scaling back everything. Um, sure. While we were there, they were shutting down a lot of the, the, the kind of cops or the um, The security base is there. So, part of our role is just to try and oversee this kind of smooth transition, you know. Um, Well, the
1: Brits are also getting drawn into Afghanistan hardcore around that time, too. Yeah. So, they they only got so many resources to spend. They can't have dudes just walking around for no reason
2: in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And um, the, yeah, so that was like kind of 2004. So, we're starting to get into the kind of 2005 sort of time so we're starting to get into the um Helmand, um yeah. start the, the Helmand campaign starting off um the three paratroops went out there um from the parachute regiment third battalion the parachute regiment they went out um down into sort of sangin and it was kind of the the uh you know that infamous kind of um comment of you know it'll be over in be over in six weeks without firing a shot and things like that, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, didn't age well that. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, and and then we, um, that's the, I went out in 2006 um, to Helmand, and that's when, that was, it was that tour, 2006 7, that, that I ended up in the Panjway and um, Spurwing Gah. More, more um more to the point
0: so you started um, that deployment in in uh, in helmand
2: yeah I started that in helmand um okay so i was looking after a um well there was a team of us working with the the a and a basically um training training the a and a and basically mentoring them out on the ground trying to get them out there were there were um, they, they were sort of semi-way through their training, so they weren't like raw recruits. Um, so they were kind of—it was just scaling them up for operations, really, for actually getting out on the ground. Um, so I, the, the first part of that that deployment was um, taking the taking the A and A out and basically trying to assist in other elements in, in Helmand that, that needed an A and A footprint or a, an a and a face basically um so we would take them out and it kind of worked in two ways we, we wanted to get them out and get them sort of blooded so to speak um sure as well as obviously supporting the 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 efforts of the you know the other brit forces and and uh there was quite a, there was a few odas as well rolling about in helmand at that time down in the sort of um, area. Um, so there was teams getting tasked over there there was teams getting tasked over to like spin Spinbaldak and places like that Um, so yeah we were we we were just kind of training on the job with the ANA it was kind of you know let's go out and uh, take a patrol down here we we know not necessarily you knew you were going to get hit but there's a good chance that something would happen, and then there's a good chance that um, you know we're going to be able to test these guys under fire, basically. Um, yeah. So, was what was that experience
1: like in. working with the A and A down there?
2: I mean, was um, it- <laughs> I mean, like, this, there was there were good guys. You know, there were good guys amongst them. We had um we had actually had quite a good leadership team within the the A and A we were working with. Um, of seasoned guys that like fought the russians and stuff and you know yeah um so they knew that they know about warfare right you know they know about fighting they've kind of lived with it they know about um life and death and stuff so they're not um naive to that um yeah and then you have all the you know in the same way that um you guys probably experienced um the attitudes can vary greatly amongst <laughs> you know A and A soldiers yeah. from, from one man to the yeah. next, you know? Um Yeah. And there was there was guys that you would you would say hundred percent like that they're gonna be, you know if if because if one of us got wounded, you would think there's hundred percent those guys are gonna come and help you, you know. And then on the other hand, you could look across another bunch and say a hundred percent they would just leave you you know <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah and we we had that we had an instant like that in in, in spell and Gar where the yeah not our not our a and a but the a a just just basically turned and got on their heels you know um and we were pretty we were in it pretty pretty thick at the time um but yeah so we had that we had those issues and you, you know it's it's difficult because of the i mean my biggest thing was always it's always the language barrier and the comms you know um, yeah having to to relay that through through your your terps and and then they've got to try and relay it to the commanders and they don't have you know for obvious reasons they haven't got radios in the same way that well at the time I don't know if it's changed now it might have changed now, but they weren't on the same comms as ours and you know so it just makes it just makes a a um you know being in a contact just that much more difficult to kind of to manage yeah. because it's, it's hard enough yes. as it is when you all speak the same language and everyone's on the same <laughs> net you know um, yeah. things can get things get confusing things get you know you have to really keep those, those comms channels um you know clear um, so we try to do
1: uh, it different it sounds Pretty similar to our experience with ANA. Like some dudes were super squared away and they were good to go, and some dudes were, you know, hammered bag of shit. Uh, yeah. And then, and then some dudes, like some units were really good and some units were really bad. Some platoons were good and some were bad. Yeah. So it sounds very, very similar to what we went through. So, you know, your mentorship or your time leading the ANA is how you ended up at Guard, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So basically, we got um, myself and a, um, our team basically got uh, the nod that we were going to be going to Spur and Gar to assist with the uh, um, just or to help with the the ODAs that were were, were working out at Spur and Gar at the time um, mm. and provide ANA support and also you know trying to put an Afghan face on the on the operations basically you know um, so it's less about um, seeing seeing American and British faces patrolling yeah. around they wanted to see that, that that afghan face um and to uh
1: and to frame it for for you know people that are listening like you showed up as berwin pretty soon after operation medusa and all those guys like actually yeah, took yeah. spurring so it yeah you know ISAF presence in Panjway was very fresh when you
0: showed up it is what like yeah. a month not even after probably, after probably not even
2: yeah, probably not. I don't know the exact dates in Lusa, but and I can't remember exactly when we flew out, but um, we kind of got there um, September two thousand six. So yeah, and, so, like a, so a month after up yeah. basically. Yeah. So there was a lot of, um, and we didn't really know. Like to be honest, we didn't know um, a great deal about about the AO, um, and yeah. it was a real fastball. Our move up there was literally. Like, guys, we, we we need to get you to Kandahar now. And then we bounced pretty much bounced straight through within a within a day up to up to Sperwink. I mean a, another lad, um, another chap called Tam, Scott Glaswegian fella, um who was kind of my, my senior at the time, so he was kinda of like um my my commander, so to speak. Um mm-hmm. But we worked together for years and years in the same unit. So it, it was good to know that, you know, I was going up there with uh, with him as well. And, uh, yeah, they just said we're going up to this place called Spurling Guard. Didn't really know much about it. Um, obviously, we knew from all the the in briefs that you have in your own AO, other things that are happening. But, you know, you don't necessarily take that much of a wider view on things because you're so focused on, on what's happening. Yeah. yeah and uh brief was very um brief <laughs> it's like yeah. on this helicopter you go into this place right okay fine <laughs> what is it you know what's it gonna be like you know is it um i'd seen a couple of aerial pictures and things aerial uh thoughts of of uh of Spur and Gar, but that was about it really yeah
1: so when you got to Spur and Gar, and you actually started Stomping around. So like, what, what was your time like there? Like, you know, when you guys got on the ground, you, you, you kind of told us the other day that when you showed up, people were like wondering who the hell are
2: these guys? Like, what are yeah. you doing here? You know, funnily enough, we, um, when we were flying out there, so it was just me and me and time on, on a, um, on a Chinook and, uh. The, the guys had said, "Okay, it's you know the flight times, whatever this, you know, whatever it is, forty minutes or however long it takes." And um, we started getting close, and then they, the Chinook starts turning round and things, and the, the loady came up and said, "Oh, there's a um, we can't land at the moment because um, there's a contact, there's a contact happening at the fog. So we were yeah. like, "Fucking hell, you know, this place is uh, <laughs> yeah, welcome to <yeah>. Perungar." <laughs> okay, yeah. So, so we were like, right, okay, like this is. It's, it's like that, is it? You know, um, so that a- automatically gets the gets the kind of pulse racing a bit. So we flew about for a bit, and then they said, "Okay, we're going to put you in," you know. And we didn't know was it still, you know, was the contact still happening? What was it? Was it like, you know, was the contact in the wire? Or so we kind of got off the helo like ready to go you know and there's people just walking about with coffees and stuff and i was like they must have just been like who are these two characters that have just come running off the back of this helo like you know <laughs> into all around the fence <laughs> um yeah but yeah so we, yeah we turned up and kind of found our, we, we were staying in the in, in the schoolhouse and uh sort of touched base with the the commander there and uh the, the um they were they were a bit the same. They were kind of a bit like who are you guys. And we were like, well, we're the you know we're the lead element of your of the of the Brits that are coming up. And they were like, yeah, okay, you know, <laughs> like it's the first we'd heard about it. Um, I'm sure they hadn't. You know, I'm sure they knew knew were coming. But um, yeah, we just kind of we, we, we just got on with it from there. Um, they'd just been in a big they'd been in a big contact that day. Um, they just got back. And um, the, 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 the fob was taken to kind of small arms and, and, and some rockets and things. So they were uh, calling stuff in from the, from the OP on the hill. Um, so we went up to the OP just to get a kind of brief of, you know, the AO. And we started um, getting our heads into the maps and stuff and chatting to the lads and um, trying to get a feel for what was going on. And um, yeah, it was good. So when you when you guys got there, was it
1: uh, Canadian and USSF? Is that who was there at the time? Yeah, so
2: it was the um, the ODA three. I think it was three eight four. Um, now, if I, if I've got that wrong, I apologise if if any of those guys listen. But um, yeah, so they, they were there and they they were who we were going to be working with. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that, like I said, they'd been out on the ground that day and they'd had the. The QRF, the Canadian QRF, um, out with them, which was the, the Canadians were providing QRF with the labs and things, you know. Um, yeah. But we didn't, we didn't have our A and A with us at the time, so we were essentially like the kind of, we were just going up as a kind of forward element. And um, we we spoke to the the um, the boss of the the SF team, and uh, he was like, "Well, do you want to come out with us?" You know, like we're going out again in the morning or, um, early hours, you, you fancy it. And we were like, yeah, too, right. So we just jumped in with the, we just jumped in with the guys, you know, um, yeah. which was great. It was fantastic because one, we, you know, we were having heard of all the stuff that was going on and how sort of kinetic the, the, the area was, we were keen to get out. Um, and two, it just gave us, uh, it was like, um, fantastic ground brief you know actually on the ground you know um
0: so at uh, that time the the sf was the primary maneuver element not the not
2: the ana and not the canadians no so they had um they had like there was ana there um that were kind of being mentored by the um by the oda um and ours were supposed to arrive if I if I remember this correctly, ours was supposed to arrive follow on in a few few days or a few a couple of weeks, and something happened and there was a big mix up, so they didn't turn up for a, a while. Basically, didn't turn up till pretty uh, close to um, Batzuka. We went on up Batzuka in mm. December, I think. So they didn't really. So we had kind of two a couple of months, a month and a half, where it was just myself and tam um just jumping in with the with the the oda basically um and and, and basically anyone that was going out we would just we would just try and get on and get out with them um but yeah so we we started out with the with the oda um with 384 and then they swapped out and rusty's team came back um Mm. so we worked with both those both both those teams and Like, to a man, they were just, you know, great guys. Honestly, we had a a great time with them. Um, Yeah. In fact, the the day after we got there, we went out in the morning again and got into it pretty big straight away. Um,
1: That's another good welcome package.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was quick. um, It's good, though, because it's, you know, you've literally just met these blokes and they literally just met us. And then the next yeah. thing you're all out and everyone's fighting next to each other, you know, shoulder to shoulder. And, you know, everyone's covering each other, you know, doing all the, all the, all, all the skills and drills and everything, you know? So, um, yeah, it's a good feeling that you can just kind of, you know, jump in with, with whoever, yeah, you know, and, uh, yeah, we saw the lat, you know, it's, that was my first experience of seeing the, of um, working with Canadians, we had the we had the the laughs out with us, and they were great, you know. Um, yeah, good to see those cannons going, you know. So I mean, you you'd
0: been that you got so you got there in like September, and you'd been there for a couple of months, kind of rolling on your own. But once your ANA started showing to the base, that was kind of preceding that this large clearing operation that was coming up, right?
2: Yeah. So yeah, we we kind of got there, and we'd, we'd realized that we'd been given the briefs and everything, given the kind of ground briefs. This that you know the AO was um, far from clear. You know, um, right after after the uh, they'd obviously just re-infiltrated after after the Medusa. Um, so it, it was all building towards clearing clearing west basically. Op um, Baztuka was was what we were what we were next planning for. Um, so we we'd got our guys there. So we've got our A&A there. We've got the rest of the... There's about another um, six or seven guys. Um, Brit guys came up um, from our unit. So um, And our, our sort of hierarchy as well. Um, so we'd, we'd, they'd all arrived at Spur and Gar by this stage. And the ODAs had swapped out. And it was um, Rusty's team were, were back. Um, Obviously, we didn't initially know the significance of them being back until we, you know, got a chance to sort of chat to them and everything and find out they were the guys that actually actually cleared it um, and and had taken it, which was pretty, you know. So we got to speak to them about that. Obviously, a wealth of experience in the in the area and with those guys as well. They'd been um, rusty, especially had been you know doing this and working with the A and A for a long, long time. So. we're good to tap into their to their knowledge base, really, and uh, and uh, and learn the because we you know we we'd never really our, our job wasn't necessarily to to work with in, indigenous forces like that you know so um, you know it was a good experience for ourselves and we just started running up training basically for 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 the for the big push um, we'd go back to uh, Maholic Firebase Maholic so we we rotate back to Kandahar do some training with the with the a and a there um all the all the usual kind of stuff you know weapons training um medical training drills um you know actions on all this stuff so constantly constantly working working them up to, as best we could to to you know as good a standard as we thought they were gonna get before we before we mm-hmm. pushed um before we pushed west um and myself and Tam we had we obviously had the benefit of having been in the the ao now for for a while with the with the with the guys and um sort of knew what we were knew what potentially what what this op could be and you know it could be you know everyone's th- well everyone i guess everyone thought it was going to be pretty pretty tasty um yeah and we were just working up to that so between between spur and gar and and maholic for for a few a few weeks really until until um, we got the green light to go ahead and and push in, we'd set up a few um, we'd set up a few kind of uh, small checkpoints and things. We put put some checkpoints out down on Route Brown and well, it was it was Foster uh, Route Fosters. We we used to call it Fosters. Um, yeah. What you was it was hyena or something? When you got by the time you guys got there, was it? Or? was that right hyena
1: was the yeah the east west running road that went down the length of the horn was hyena for us right route brown yeah. headed
2: straight out of spermangar and connected yeah it was to like hyena. north and south wasn't it
0: right um yeah
2: yeah so we put one basically at that junction of the Argandarb. um we put one there and it used to get hit quite a bit actually um we did a few went with the canadian sniper pairs we would go down there and um sort of try and uh, try and wait and ambush the the taliban that were coming to hit the hit the checkpoint um which is pretty good um any success there uh not not really i mean we'd see a bit of a bit um it was just difficult. It's just, it was just a bit sketchy cutting about out, out front of the A&A at night, you know, <laughs> when they're waiting uh-huh. to be, when they're waiting to be, when they know there's <laughs> potentially an attack out there, we're always a bit like, you know, um, but yeah, but it was good, you know, we're, we're just trying to disrupt, basically disrupt the patterns, but, um, yeah, and, and then, uh, once we'd done, we spent a lot of time, uh, doing rehearsals and things for, for Baz Tooker, and then, um, we pushed on, I think it was the start of, um, start of December. We, um, we left, it was our team actually were the first out of the fob. Um, and it, it had been built up to, you know, being a, a pretty, um, we we're expecting, we we're expecting a lot of contact basically. Um, we had, um, and the original ODA that we'd worked with, they came back up for it, um, as well. So, um, there was a lot of, there was a lot of teams on the ground that had good good knowledge of the AO, and we kind of we went out and pushed out um, straight straight into. We were our first sort of objectives. I think from memory was like Zangabagar was to get up there as quickly as possible, get get on the high ground, and then just stop start, start dropping pushing. ordnance. Yeah, if we needed to, you know. Yeah.
1: Um, Did you guys um, so you left Sperran Gar and pushed west to Zangabagar?
2: Yeah yeah um so pr- we, we were there i think we were as, as i remember it we kind of got we got contacted on the first day um in the evening we th- actually we thought that uh we were going to get a lot more contact initially but i think mm-hmm. there'd been like a, a, a fair bit of sort of psyops going on and um i think there'd been a bit of um to and fro with the with the district governor and the mm. the, the taliban and you know yeah, they kind of talked, didn't they, on the radio and stuff, and they kind of said like we're kind of coming, you know, we're coming to get you, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was much of a surprise, put it that way. <laughs> 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 um, and uh, I think the Taliban had pretty much bugged out to mm. not not in total because they still put up a bit of a fight, but um, not to the not to the level we expected. Um, yeah. So the first day, yeah, we pushed out. We actually hit an ID on the first day. Um, mm. Thankfully, no one was no one was injured. But under a uh, there was a a culvert in the road, basically, and um, there was like, it, you know it, it was like the kind of I <laughs> if you're gonna put an ID somewhere, that would be the place that you put it. And we got mm. the um, the dogs out and the the all the all the detectors and all the ECM kit was out and. Um, people had kind of walked over it, and people had been over it in quads, um, and nothing had gone off. And then um, the team's up-armoured Humvee went over it, and uh, and it went up, you know. Mm. But I think it was probably the, the fact it was an up-armoured Humvee was the fact there's no, thankfully, no casualties, you know. The uh, Yeah. And that ironically
1: is probably what set it off, too, because... Like one thing that we've not really taken a uh, dive into on the Panjway podcast is like the pressure plates. We've talked about them before and how they
2: work. I'm assuming it was pressure plate or was it command debt or do you guys have No, that no, idea? I think it was pressure plate, yeah, because yeah. There was, it must because there was people like poking around it, you know, like and there's people walking over it and stuff. And you know, yeah, if it was command wire or something that they'd, they'd have clacked it off before then, you know, I thought,
1: yeah, um,
2: so one of the things
1: that we've not talked about is like pressure plates can be built for different weights so yeah. that if a lighter weight thing drives over or walks over a pressure plate, but they want to target a larger object, then they yeah. can build them to take on that weight. And then that's when the, the electric connection is made, the explosive goes yeah. off. So you could stop, I could, I mean, there's probably pressure plates out there you could jump on and not get it to connect yeah. as soon mm-hmm, as you yeah. drive that, you know, however many
0: tons of, gmv over it's gonna go up well that was also their way of making sure that you know children wouldn't step on them yeah, you know, yeah. The chil- they'd make it so a, a kid could walk on it all day but
2: the american soldier weighing
0: 300 pounds with gear is going to set it off
2: yeah, yeah. That, that too like the, the 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 two bits of sponge you know is yep. would be for for anti-personnel and then they might put um you know water bottles or full water bottles um for mm-hmm. for vehicles you know Um, yeah, but yeah, Yeah, so that, that went up and, you know, immediately we were like, just try and clear an HLS, but, um, thankfully there was no, no casualties. But, um, yeah, that was, that was, that was day one, the morning of day one. So those guys, we pushed on, I think, yeah, my memory's a bit of the old brain fog, but, um, yeah, we pushed on to to close to Zangabaggar that night. Um, at last light, there was a, the lead element got contacted. Um, mm. It wasn't my team directly, but um, and then we pushed over to to Zangabagar and just took took a took took that basically.
1: Um, mm. So did you, guys past, did you guys push past, you guys could past You kind
2: of hang out there and just didn't no. So shit? we we're back there for because we got contacted again the next day. I th- I'm pretty uh-huh. sure we had a night there um uneventful night we had the um the um C130 gunship up um so we nice. had a pretty quiet night they were engaging some targets but further west I think um and then in the morning we got contacted again or we had a pretty we had a pretty lively day actually that that second day um there was a bit of uh, IDF um Someone actually tried to, they tried to fire a mortar at an Apache, which I thought was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty stupid idea, really. yeah. but <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, you never know, they could have got lucky, but um, yeah, so they, they got pretty, dealt with pretty quickly. Um, yeah, so we just, there was a lot of um, movement in depth and we were getting engaged with some IDF as well, so we, um, we managed to, to um, get some ordnance down. And then we nice. pushed on from there we pushed on uh west right up to, to Mushan, basically. Um, linked up with a linked up with the, there was a Shura in the Mushan area, so we kinda linked up with them. Um mm. and then pushed on to the old there was an old like an old uh, hospital, old clinic, I think it was. Um, or was it schoolhouse? No, it was an old clinic, like an old um I think it had been built as as part of the kind of um a stabilization type thing or u n yeah. thing and um, yeah. we set up in there we basically set up in there for a for a good period of time um were they there for a few a few days actually um nothing nothing to i don't think we we got any contact there actually can't remember mm. now no i don't no i don't think we did um we caught a couple of guys putting IEDs in, and um, the A&A went out one night and caught, caught a guy putting IEDs in and brought him back, and, and he got processed through, you know. Um. Did he get pro, pro, uh, processed through, or
1: did he get it processed through? I know, I know. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, no yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't get like a- I feel like a common experience off. for us. <laughs> uh, I don't know the common experience for us. As soon as the Afghan allies got a hold of, them, not us, as in like the Americans, yeah. but as soon as as soon as we handed them prisoners off,
2: they would get processed through. They wanted to. They, they basically brought him back to the to the um, schoolhouse. It was. I remember mm-hmm. it coming back at at, at night, and um, they wanted to sort him out. You know, I think they were up, yeah. up for just taking him into the desert and cutting his head off or something but um, yeah. Rusty and the guys, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. they're obviously not going to let that happen. So mm-hmm. we, 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 we kind of, um, and this is, and this is where you saw the kind of, I suppose you saw the, we saw the, the kind of experience that the, the team had, that they'd been working a lot with the A&A and stuff. And that, you know, they knew how to kind of, they dealt with yeah. it pretty, they swept that situation <clears throat> up pretty quick. And they said, right now he's like, a, he's the property of the, you know, of US forces now so that's it yeah. you know there's no no more funny business this is yeah we do it by the we do it the way it's supposed to be done you know so uh, mm-hmm. yeah it was good yeah and um he he, he was shipped off and uh, we stayed there and uh, then i think in behind they they were putting in the checkpoints all up all up through the through the valley and up up, up route fosters you know hmm. um and we came back for thanks. I remember us coming back for Thanksgiving. Um, we they, they wanted us. The the high command of the TF thirty one guys came up to to Spur and Gar with Christmas with Thanksgiving dinner and stuff for the guys. So we all we all went back down for that, and uh, we kind of rotated through, you know, which was pretty good. So uh, after you guys got done
1: clearing the horn and pushing out through there, like. What was the rest of that Thomas Perungar like? Like, pretty chill. Yeah, we, or?
2: yeah to, Well, compa- Yeah, in comparison to kind of how it started, Com- comparatively it was, yeah. chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. I mean, it pretty was chill still, for you know, Spare-
1: yeah, Afghanistan, is you know. Yeah, you know, just a firefight every two weeks instead of
2: every. Two yeah, weeks. <laughs> yeah. They were, um, yeah, we were running basically running the supporting the um, the checkpoints because the checkpoints were out now. And, you know, the ANA, AMP, you know, kind of um, collaborations, never really that great. (laughs) Those two working together, with these pretty much hate each other as well.
0: Um,
2: Yeah, yeah. And they were getting getting taken on um, every now and then. You know, the the Taliban would come on and take quite heavily, would engage uh, one of the checkpoints, and um, Mm. we'd sort of QRF out from – from Spo and Gar and try and assist if we could and things. But you're turning up to it's difficult, isn't it? Because you're turning up in the middle in at night to an ongoing firefight between the AMP and the Taliban or the ANA and the Taliban. A lot of scope for things to go south there, you know? Um Yeah. Big down. As as to like and it goes back to that thing about the comms and stuff and, you know, the difficulties of not having not being able to speak the same language, not being on the all being on the same comms and stuff, so um, but they, they did all right, you know, they 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 no they never got overrun or anything, so um, yeah, you know, it was pretty it was pretty good. Um, we did a we pushed north, uh, north of the Argandar as well. Um, we did a kind of clearance hop out that side, um, mm. and we had quite a uh, a sort of narrow corridor of operations there, but that was that was a good change of scenery, you know. Um different mm-hmm. different different part of the AO. Yeah. yeah, that was it really. And we kind of wound down um what we were doing there. Um and we got we got retasked eventually sort of which was sort of February, March time. So did a so good finish. So you start in Helmand, middle
1: stints and spare one ascend in Helmand.
2: Yeah, back to Helm. So I went back to Sangin then, um, which was, um, which was really, you know, it was really hot at the time. There was a lot of activity in Sangin. Um, mm-hmm. We joined back up with the rest of the unit and uh, was just operating out of out of uh, out of that that area, the sort of upper Sangin Valley. Different, yeah. We're a real kind of contrast in the two places because a lot more um, a lot more indirect fire over in Helmand. we mm-hmm. were getting rockets a lot we hardly got the well, the strange thing about Spur and Gar we hardly got any IDF we hardly we got every now and then we'd get a, a rocket in or something but they weren't really accurate and they never really um, never really hit anything um, yeah but we went over back into 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 Sangin, and getting like accurate mortar fire and accurate rockets Mm. and you know they had they had the fobs pretty dialed in um Mm. and you get it you know three two three times a day um Mm. just different kind of fighting although you're literally you know only really on the grand scheme of things miles apart yeah (laughs) i mean
1: I i think i looked at it one time uh, on Google maps. And I think the Sangin Valley was only like, as the crow flies, it was only like 25 or six miles from Panjway yeah. from Sparrow. Yeah. So like in a direct line, it's not very far, but totally different world in some ways. Absolutely.
2: You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, even the firefights were just different, you know, mm. um, a lot more because you like, you know, you guys know yourself, is So, um, um, uh, it's so tight, you know, the kind of all the little uh, rat runs and the grape parts, and you know, it's just like really kind of dense. Whereas yeah. it was a bit more standoff and it seemed to be a little bit more standoff. I mean, there were still elements of, you know, there were still times where we got into it pretty close over in Helmand at, 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 at close ranges and stuff. But um every every kind of contact in in, in Spur and Gar was pretty up close and personal, you know? Well, that's been a, a
1: discernible difference that I've noticed <clears throat> with other Afghan veterans is like one of the biggest things that most Afghan veterans talk about is the distance. Like everybody's know like, oh, we're being engaged at five and 600 meters because, you know, the Taliban knew the effective range of five, five, six. And so mm. they would engage these guys from 700 meters across the valley with, you know, with bigger arms and bigger munitions or whatever. And for us, like, for me, that just sounds so strange because everything we ever did was within 200 meters. You know, it your yeah. 20 feet. 20 feet to 200 meters was kind of like the range that we worked in. And uh, so, you know, that, that never, you know, I never really quite could wrap my mind around the idea of, of duking it out over, you know, a click.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, um, I think it's just the, the, the kind of, the layout of the, the ground as well and the, the, yeah. how it was all built up and stuff. And, um, it was definitely more up close in, in the Panjway. and, uh, but then again, you other, other, you know, you know, we didn't have the IDF threats so, and, you know, the camp wasn't getting yeah. mortared three times a day. So it's kind of, yeah. it was all different kind of, Yeah, um, nope. there wasn't many nope. IDs around.
1: Where could you launch IDF from? To get on spare one like the you, desert, no I mean, reg,
0: reg, like reg. yeah, yeah. Like maybe I mean, if you had a vehicle, you could do it from the edge. But I mean, that's it. It just there wasn't a whole lot, and it was you were super exposed. And yeah, I know one yeah. thing that always stood out to me: the difference, at least, flying over Panjway versus flying over Helmand, is that Helmand looks like they actually had like a city planner. You know, like somebody actually laid out like streets and like plots and like you know everybody's property is about the same size you know it's mm-hmm. like this is your 2 acre plot and this is your 2 acre plot whereas Panjway just looks like they just like this like a 2 year old like draw his own like property boundaries on it like you have no idea who owns what <laughs> like there's no it's clear road together. structure it's just like thrown together yeah. I mean there really aren't even any roads except on the boundaries no. of Panjway. yeah
1: Well, I mean I saw a picture yeah. of the day somewhere and I, I can't remember where it was, I saw it, but it was of Helmand. It was actually of Sangin. It was of the valley. Mm
0: -hmm. And it was Mm -hmm.
1: crazy to see that, you know, this, this valley that had, you know, elevation on both sides. So that, you know, there's your rockets right there. But then Mm. it was like this cluster of villages. And then the distance between the villages was probably six or 700 meters. And it was almost Mm. wide open. It was very interesting to, to see that, that difference right there. And then I'd imagine once you got down closer to the river and closer to the water, it got thick and bushy just like Panjway does, but not... I don't think the green belt's as wide in the Sangin as it is in Panjway.
2: No, no. No, I don't think so. I think I think that's right. It's, um, like, and like you say, Curtis, it's just like a, a muddle of... It was just like a muddle of kind of huts and walls and there's no uh-huh. sense to it, really, um right, and it was yeah, it's definitely everything's a lot was seemed to be a lot more linear out uh, in 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 Helmand. you know you kind of you know you're on a you know an irrigation ditch is running this way for this many meters and et cetera et cetera, as opposed to the pandra. it was just everything's just all over the shop, yeah, but, yeah, it's um. And we didn't so much have the ID threat either at that time in two thousand and six. I mean, there was that obviously the ID threat because um, we had the, the yeah. you know, the, the, there had been IDs, and I know that the teams had been hit by IDs and things. But to the point where you were more your your concern was more about small arms contacts than it was about standing on something. Whereas flip it back to or flip forward to. Um, 2010, 2011, you know, which was my, my kind of last tour. Yeah. And, and like one thing that was always, again, flying from over
0: top of Helmand and Panjway, not necessarily the ground perspective, was that uh, because Helmand was a little bit more like a, a suburb in the cities, there wasn't as much white space uh, in like the, the agricultural areas. Whereas around Spurwangar, you kind of had the mountains to the south and those open deserts where you could you could take those labs or you could take vehicles and you can kind of do a button hook. So while you did have to do these really, really long dismounted patrols, if something bad happened, if you wanted to go north or south, you were, you were never more than two clicks away from some sort of mounted support. Um, but, you know, flying over Helmand, there were areas where I'm like, man, there's, there's places where you just there's nowhere to go there's no way to get to you there's no uh there's no way to do that kind of thing so was that pretty consistent in helmand or am i uh, am i misinterpreting that <laughs> no one?
2: no the, yeah i mean there's obviously different kind of areas of the of the province as you uh, it all just follows up the river um and and the furthest kind of kind of north you get, the more it kind of opens out out slightly. Um, but places like Lashkar, I mean, that's that's kind of, uh, that was the provincial capital. So built up, big built up area. Um, right. And we, we would take the ANA and try and push them through there uh, when we first got them. Um, uh, like I said before, trying to get them a bit kind of combat experience or kind of operational experience on the job training. And um, then as you pushed up further up the up up the um through the kind of saiyan valley from the lower to the upper saiyan valley yeah you'd have um you, you'd you have parts of that where you've got the mountains kind of either side and then the green zone in the middle so you had a bit of standoff if you if you needed it um but we were always um on foot basically we always we, we always patrolled on foot really so er, mm-hmm. any of the operations that we did down there were were um on the on the so, mark ones
1: what was the like you know we, we talked about how in panjway everything's really close and bushy and the yeah. only fight that's like comparative i think to that part particular part of kandahar is helmand but even then there's like some pretty serious differences. Notably like Helmand's considerably more arid, at least it seems like it is, uh, from the pictures and stuff I've seen. So what what were some of the, like, the big differences in how the enemy fought there versus Panjway?
2: Well, it, we um after after when I returned to Helmand after Panjway, um I went to Sangin. I was um just south of Sangin, uh, a place mm-hmm. called Fob Robinson. And um w- just IDF, lots of IDF. That's the first thing. So it hmm. mortars, rockets, twice, two, three times a day. Um, more IDs. Um, well, it seemed like there were more IDs. There might, n- we might have just been, we might not have hit so many in Panjway. And then because we were more, um, f- more foot patrolling in Helmand, I guess yeah. you're gonna. There's more chance of hitting more IEDs maybe um yeah so and uh, i mean the engagements were still this the, the kind of same usually um instigated rpg um to to kick it off and then kind yeah. of small arms or um at a kind of medium length maybe um rpg or airburst rpg and then small arms fire or at a longer length you might get um I know on my on my last tour we, we, we came across a um a couple of dushkas in the area and they would they would take us on oh, yeah. and take on the uh take on the fob and and some of the uh, observation posts and things which was um we went you know obviously went out and, and found them, tried to find them, right. but they were yeah, they're causing problems for a bit, you know. Um but the same as the yeah. same as Pandre they 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 always instigate the they always instigate the contact a fraction too early, I always thought. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're just a little bit more disciplined, just wait slightly longer, they'd probably get, you know, plus the, the, the accuracy of the shooting, you know. Um, mm. What about the movement in,
0: in, uh, in Helmand? Is, was it mostly on roads or along paths or did you have to do the same thing you did in where you had to really get off of those?
2: Yeah, same, same. So, mm. you know, we didn't, you know, you didn't really want to be um, more, some, more so in, when I went back in 2010, um, or 20, uh, 2008, uh, eight, nine. Yeah. Um, obviously the IED threat had gone up even more again and the, um, they, they were, uh, evolving their tactics even more knowing that that's their best chance of doing damage was to, was to, um, IED and then with a follow up shoot. So we'd have that quite a lot, um, had, had that on a, a, a number of occasions.
0: So other than the differences just between Helmand and, and Kandahar and the fighting, what, was, what were some of the differences between operating under your organic uh, you know, British military command and being kind of attached to Sodif or even just you know conventional American forces?
2: Well, I guess uh, I suppose the, the, the initial... Uh, well, the thing that stands out most, I suppose, was the. Um, I mean, there's obviously the terminology difference already sure. with all the acronyms, you know. Um, mm. we were the first night we got to, to Spurwing Gar, we went into the ops room, um, which you might you're not even call an ops room, but, but we call it the ops room. Um, and uh, we were just looking over the plans for the next day because the guy said, look, if you want to jump on. Come out with us, come out, you know, and um, yeah, it's basically just talking in acronyms that we were like, mm, not quite sure what that means, kind of get have a hazard a guess at what that one means, but you know, um, yeah, so uh, even though everyone speaks the same language, you kind of don't speak the same language, um, so yeah, there was that, there was that element, and there was obviously the, um, the structure of the team, um, having never really worked with an ODA before, it's, it's knowing um, exactly who, what you know what the kind of all-bat is and how, you know the configurations they're gonna they're gonna uh, operate in and stuff. But to be honest, it's once you get out there and the, the, it, it gets noisy, it all just everyone's doing the same things. To be honest, you know, right, um, and that's kind of the beauty of. I was thinking about it the other day, actually, after our chat. There's a kind of beauty of, of 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 what we do is that you can you can literally slip into a team, and you know, within an hour or so, you're in contact, and everyone's just you know covering, covering with each other. Everyone's yeah, fireman yeah. covering, covering maneuver, and you know, yeah, it's just yeah, it just is kind of seamless. I mean, we went we brushed over some you know, a few kind of actions on before we went out, you know, just to, especially with the vehicles, um, just how they wanted to, um, maneuver with the vehicles and and certain things and where they wanted us and all that kind of stuff. And what, basically what, how to fit in if, you know, certain contacts happen or we're trying to break contact, How you know, but, um, I ended up driving one of the vehicles for a a few times, which was pretty cool. Um, quick, quick Humvee check test around the uh, around the gravel. <laughs> Good to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's definitely
0: not much of a learning curve with a Humvee. Turn it yeah. on, press the gas pedal, and go. It's a pretty yeah. forgiving vehicle. I mean, if you yeah. can
2: drive a a Land Rover Defender, you can drive anything, you know. And yeah. I would say it
0: does not go the other way around. Ability to drive a Humvee does not <laughs> translate to being able to drive a Land Rover.
2: Yeah, but and these were like. Yeah, and I think I think the guys that appreciated having a couple of extra bods on the team, you know, just to sort of, it's just more, mm-hmm. it's two more, two more guns at the end of the day, isn't it? And um, right, yeah. you know, two more people to to cover spaces, to cover gaps in doors, and you know, to help you know jump in the jump in the driver's seat and drive a vehicle, you know, down there and stuff. So yeah, it was good, but um, it was kind of like I said before, we were kind of just. You know, for the for the first month or so, we were just these two, me and Tam, were just these two British guys that were just kind of cutting about and uh, you know trying to get on, you know, on anything that was going basically. So we were, you know, tapping up the Amer- uh, the Canadians for for if they were going to do anything, and um, yeah, it was good. It wasn't really till um, the, the, the the op to the west, the operation to the west, that we got. A few of our, a few more of our lads came in, and it, it got a bit more structured for ourselves. But we were, mm. we are having a great time, really. All things <laughs> I mean, considered, that, that don't sound too bad, man. Like, <laughs> no, get, I do, know. like
1: get as far you know, good, good, healthy distance from your commands. So they're not making you, you know, uh, police yeah. call the landing zone or whatever, and then yeah. be be out there in the ship where you can just, hey guys, uh, happy to go with you today. You know? Yeah,
2: and uh, you know we got really well looked after by all the guys. You know. Um, all, all the, everyone there, you know, Rusty's team and, and um, 384 and yeah, they all looked after us and all.
0: It's funny when you mentioned the acronyms and the different language, I remember sitting, I think it was at uh FOB Dalki in Afghanistan in 2017. And uh, just to the north of Dalki there was a, um, an SAS base. And we were, we were tra- we were talking to them. They didn't want us to take off because they were running their op. They didn't want mm. us overhead because, cause, you know, when, when we get overhead, it spoils the surprise. Yeah, um, Patches aren't very quiet, but it was funny. Uh, you know when we talk over each other on the radio, uh, we call it. We saw. Oh, I'm sorry, I stepped on you. Like yeah. I transmitted over your transmission, but mm-hmm. uh, in the British Army they call it getting clipped, and it was the coolest freaking like <laughs> terminology that I'd ever. I was like, I'm totally stealing that. I'm never saying stepped on again. Yeah. I like, oh, I Mike, oh, like, Sorry about that. I clipped you. <laughs> you, got, you got. You got clipped. I was like. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it was, um yeah, it was it was good to sort of uh I mean, you get a it, hang on, it, you pick it up pretty quick, you know, and um, yeah, you know, before you know it, you're you're using the same terminology as well, but um, right. yeah, yeah, it was good. Put, you know, other than that, really, I mean, our, the way we kind of operate, I mean, the role is slightly different to the to to that of the the ODAs, you know, with the with regards to the sort of. Um, indigenous forces, but with regards to the planning and and, and how um, things went about, it's it not that not much different, to be honest. Not much. Well, what about
0: logistics? Were you able to get everything you need quickly? Um, I mean, ha- was I mean, different militaries, different supply, you know, techniques. I mean, was there any issues there? One way, or the not other? really,
2: not really. I mean, um, we we just we we brought a load of. Uh, well, we had a like an underslung load follow us up with um, a load of ammo and stuff, and because um, we didn't really know what was going to be up there, so we we kind of the guys are kind of I suppose are uh, the logistics support back in CAF. They they sent a load of stuff forward for us, um, you know, which was fine. But other than that, you know, we're still ammo wasn't wasn't a, you know it was just ammo ammo and Water, really, you know. But, um, gotcha. yeah, all the, you know, comms, no problem with the comms, all the comms were the same and stuff. We just obviously get on the right, um, get all the right fills and stuff for the, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, but, um, the, the team guys sorted them out for us and, yeah, it was good to go. We, they, um, they sent forward, um, loads of rations for us, British rations. You know, thinking that we, because most of the fobs in Helmand at the time, a lot of them were, everyone's still on rations. It was pretty austere living, you know, like there was no, everyone's kind of, you know, living in like Hesco huts and stuff. And um, and we got up there and there's like barbecues going and things. And we were, um, so we got all these, (laughs) (laughs) we landed on our feet here, definitely landed on our feet, you know. Um, Are you
0: guys like the Italians? Do you have, do you have alcohol in your, in your MREs? No, no, <laughs> no. Unfortunately, no. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. The
0: the Italians had freaking wine, like, every wine MRE, or uh, brandy, nice. they had like a shot of brandy in every MRE. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, what? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no. Other than no. that, they weren't very good, but there were a lot of rat fucked Italian MREs at uh, <laughs> yeah. in in the corner of the fob.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we um. Yeah, well, we used to we we would go and sit on top of the schoolhouse in the evening and just like make an old school coffee and stuff with you know um, mm-hmm. with like a ration pack coffee and you know and uh, sit up there and just chat and stuff and the guys would come up and they'd all sort of laugh at us like something from years gone by, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you though,
0: like some of my favorite memories of war or being in a war zone is little stuff like that. Yeah. Sitting on the roof of a schoolhouse, like eating something it doesn't even matter what you have. It's just the fact that you're with three other guys or two other guys or however many and they're all they're all eating the same shitty food. They're all sitting on freaking MRE boxes. You know, nobody's on their phone. Nobody gives a shit about anything. You're watching the checkpoint across the river get fucked up and laugh about it. Like I mean, it'd be a perfect opportunity to have a beer. But you know in in the absence of one, you know you crush up some coffee from an m r e and you you know either you make coffee with it or you do like a a caffeine uh dip in your mouth or whatever, and just i don't know those those are the moments that I think a lot of guys look back most fondly on. It's just when, when it when shit sucked so much that the best part of your day was sitting on the top of
2: the schoolhouse and having shitty coffee drinking some shitty coffee yeah <laughs> yeah well you you become it's surprising what you, you what you get used to isn't it right you yeah. know so what becomes what becomes like a a a a, a, a pleasure or what becomes a moment of a you know treat. You, yeah a little treat you know so just a quiet night a nice you know the sun's going down it's a nice evening sit up yeah. there with a with a you know smoking a coffee and uh yeah, you could – you you're in – because you, you're not thinking about um, – you haven't got the day-to-day stuff to think about. Yet. Right. So you're just thinking about what – like just what's happening today. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, out, you're sitting there and you're like, did you see that bloke or did you see that guy come out of that doorway or did you see that, you know, whatever it is. Or you're just thinking about what's happening tomorrow. But you're not like thinking about, oh, I've got to get the washing machine fixed or, you know. Right. Yeah, you know, or like – you know, the car needs to go in for a service or, you know, we've got to like, you know, like day-to-day stuff. So you kind of, yeah. in a weird way, all you've got to do is think about staying alive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it boils it, it, boils it down
1: to the, to the yeah. basic needs, right? Just making sure you're about yeah, exactly. the next one. And then yeah. um,
2: I, there was always a bit of a comfort in that. I, I found that every, you know, on every tour you'd always find I suppose everyone does it to find their little place where they can, you know, whether it's on a FOB or whether it's in CAF or whether it's in Bagram or Bastion, even, you know, yeah. find somewhere where you can have that little moment to yourself and, you know, it's good, yeah. good times.
0: So, the, how many more times did you end up going back to Afghanistan after the 2007 tour? Uh, once more. Once more. once more and that was yeah. that was
2: back to that was back to Helmand again That in was 2009. Back to yeah so nine yeah yeah so when i finished when i finished at the panjway i went back to helmand a few months there um well actually probably a couple of months there and then um i went on to back to the uk uh, had a bit of leave and then went on to basically like a training team for um the troops that are going going out to Helmand yeah. so you kind of go back um, and taking them through their, their pre-deployment basically their pre-deployment training um, so you're running through kind of different scenarios that you faced or you know you're building up a kind of a training package there's the outlines of it are already there obviously um, but then you're there as a, um, a kind of specialist just to just to add current situations to it, current TTPs and things, you know, and how the enemy's operating. So I did that, which was quite weird because um, we would literally were putting guys through scenarios that had actually happened. Hmm, um, right. You know, so, and, um, you know, you'll always get people questioning, well, yeah, this wouldn't happen and, you know, they wouldn't get, you know, they wouldn't attack you from, you know, both sides at the same time because they'd be shooting each other, you know, You'd be like, yeah, they but would. They do.
0: Yeah, they will. <laughs> yeah. You know? and they will yeah. try and get.
2: You know, they will try and get inside that close air support, uh, danger area. You know, to to negate. You know, gun runs and rockets, and you know, so mm. and try and close the distance with you quickly. Um, so yeah, did that for a, did that for a, a period of time, um, which was quite good, and then we kind of roll back into the training cycle ourselves and uh go back out for for what was what was then my last my last deployment well well i didn't know at the time, but it would be my last deployment you know uh, um yeah, and I was back in a a fires role there so um in the in the in the um the, the kind of joint fire cell for the company um cool out in up in upper sangin so we had a. a, a, a a good a good tour but you know um you know costly to the unit and uh but again good times and bad you know Hmm.
0: yeah and now the as Afghanistan kind of closed up for you I mean what was what was it like you know as a as a British soldier to see that kind of the rapid close of Afghanistan
2: well personally I, I I took it pretty it hit me pretty hard to be honest um actually caught me off guard slightly like well it caught everyone off guard but uh, I kind of think mentally it caught me off guard and um, yeah I didn't really essentially deal with it that that well initially and uh, probably still trying to you know get my head around it now but um, it's difficult it's a difficult one isn't it to and I mean I've heard you guys say before and you know you we you know we did our jobs at the time and I think that's right you know you know, right. we're not the, we're not the politicians and, you know, we can't affect, you can only affect certain things, can't you? So, um, but it's hard, you know, don't, you know, I do feel, I do think about the lads and stuff and some of the, you know, friends and things. And I do think, you know, you, you flick flack between certain trains of thought sometimes, you know, was it, you know, what did, was it worth it? Was it not worth it? Did we, you know. But I think it's just – just got to – I'm just more guarded now and just try and stay on a positive yeah. path, you know, with it. But uh, I, I think we um, – I think we owed the people better yeah. as, as, as a nation, you know. Not as individuals, but as a nation, you know. Well, as a world, basically, Yeah. you know, because yeah. they're in a shit state now as well. And it's yeah. – uh, it's pretty heartbreaking. I was reading a thing on the news today, and it's pretty heartbreaking, actually. You know, it's very bad right now. Economically, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, the Same
0: Taliban way. obviously still suck, but I think the worst thing that people are facing right now isn't
2: the Taliban. It's food starvation, money. yeah, starvation, yeah. famine. I mean, like the health. I was reading something in the, on the, the BBC today that you know the the minister for health is like some thirty year old ex fighter. You know with yeah. no no background in healthcare or he's, you know, just some fucking douchebag. Um, yeah. And he's yeah. in charge of, like – and, you know, the, there's no structure and, you know, the people are just suffering. So, yeah. I mean, we, we could – you could argue, you know, and people will argue that, you know, people were suffering when we were there, but I think, you know, there, there was – the intentions were to tr- not make people suffer, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean –
1: the thing about it is, when we were there, the people that suffered were—they definitely suffered. The people are always the ones who bear the brunt of war. The people who yeah. live in the place where war is happening. But yeah, it yeah. was—it was the people in Panjoy and Helmand and the Korangal. The people in, you know, Kabul. People in northern yeah. Afghanistan. People in different areas. They had—they
2: had a chance at something, you know. Yeah. So, I feel. Yeah, I feel kind of feel feel like that for you know for the the people. You wondered. Sometimes wonder when you see, you used to see the kids and that. Um, yeah. You know, out and about, and you think, well, they're probably, you know, young adults now. They might be in their 20s or so, you know. You think, yeah. I wonder what they're up to now, you know, and I wonder how they're <laughs> getting on, you know. I'm sure some of them have taken one route and some have taken another, but, yeah, you know, we'll never know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, a few of them are probably stomping around Kabul
1: with wearing their Taliban, uh, you know, Garbage. Yeah, exactly. And a yeah. few of them are probably just trying to crank out their lives, man. And just make it make it work. Hopefully oh, a few we're... of
2: them are like preparing for the revolution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully a few of them are for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean Kieran, we really appreciate you coming on and, and uh you know, your your diverse background and the multiple deployments. It was you're able to provide some pretty pretty cool insights that we've not really gotten before. Namely the whole Helmand uh perspective on things. So definitely appreciate you coming on for that but the way we typically close these things out is we just kind of you know we let you have the stage and if there's something we you know either didn't talk about or if there's a you know, organization you like to talk about or just a general message you like to get out there like the floor is essentially yours man
2: so you know drive it home cheers guys um oh well, well i suppose firstly thanks for having me on um, yeah. Cheers. I really appreciate it um, it's good to you know I've been listening to the podcast for a while and uh, it's good to, to get on here and uh, you know like you say share my story um, well I mean Spurwing Guard is going to be it's always going to be kind of quite a prominent part in my military career you know um, mm-hmm. 17 odd years it's done a lot of stuff but um, it's definitely up there with one of the, the kind of, you know, highlights of, if you can call it a highlight, you know, given the circumstances, <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, one of the kind of highlights of my, my career and, uh, you know, getting to work with, um, you know, the American teams and, and, uh, and the Canadian guys and just, you know, have that kind of, have that period of time away from, away from the normal, uh, AO. Um, yeah, it's something I'm definitely gonna, I'll always remember, you know, and it's part of history, really. Um, there's a lot of history there, all the things that have happened there. Um, you know, right from, right from the, the origins of the, of what, you know, the, the sort of the Taliban right through to the, you know, the fall of, mm-hmm. fall of Afghanistan. It's been, uh, yeah, it's definitely something that will stay with me and, uh, yeah, it's, uh. I just kinda of hope everyone that, that served out there, you know, you guys, all your all your friends and and comrades and, you know, um all the other guys, the Canadians, the guys from the teams and everything, just has uh you know, long, happy lives and you know, we go on from here. Yeah, man, for sure. And I think I and mean, that's definitely been
1: the 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 continual theme across everybody we talk to is like not just Pantry, but especially Spare One Guard veterans is kind of like hallowed ground for some reason. Maybe it's just the prominence of the hill or just how the, the, the way it works out there, but that's a special spot, a spot of ground. And it was cool that we got to share it across cultures and militaries. So we really appreciate you coming on, man.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, if anyone, you guys or anyone out there is uh, ever over this side of the pond, you know, We'll uh, drop me a line. We'll get some pints. Yep, same, same. don't don't have to ask me twice. I'll I'll, (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll book my
0: ticket as soon as the last uh, COVID variant is done running around. That's it. So (laughs) you're about 13 years. Yeah, Yeah, as well. Uh,
1: Well, we appreciate it, man. And, and, uh, yeah, sounds good.
0: Cheers. Thanks. Thanks, boys. And, uh, you know, keep in touch. Thank you for listening to another episode of Season 3 of the Panjway Podcast. We appreciate sticking with us all the way to the end of the episode. But just one more thing before you go, please hit the like and subscribe button and make sure that you
2: are following us on our social media.